You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Make it through this year. I think I'm gonna put this bottle down. I guess as time goes on, I'll grow to miss it less than I will now. And I think I'm gonna tell her that I'm gonna go away for a while. Till I can get this demon out. Friday morning in fabulous Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Time once again for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tied 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, your trusty, trusty if not talented host of the program with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show is always brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier. It's a bye week, but that doesn't mean you don't have a lot of football on the cable consumption in your forecast. And so you need to swing by Peter Brook Chocolatier. Go ahead and get those weekend treats, man. Go ahead and get that handled. Uh, Go ahead and get yourself and maybe that significant other signed up for one of those fun and delicious uh, dipping classes that you can do there at Peter Brook Chocolatier. Great for a date night. 205-752-0211. That's the number to call at Peter Brook Chocolatier. Joined on the program by executive producer Jacob Harrison who together we combine to form the 60-minute of Sports Talk Radio. And Jacob, I know you're excited because we got some high school football playoff action cranked up last night. Gordo, a big winner over Brooks in our area. And we've got some nice home games right here in Tuscaloosa. Got some big games on the road as well. Our Jags of Northridge traveling down to the Mobile area to take on a really good Saraland team. Uh, but Hillcrest and McGill Tulin here in Tuscaloosa, ACA hosting Geneva. I guess Northside is hosting as well. It's here, Jacob. You fired up. I know you're going to have a big show on tap for tonight right here. Yeah, Kerry Clark and I will be with uh, with everyone here on Tide 100.9 starting at 6 o'clock, going until 9. Uh, then, you know, James will have title talk and then – uh, Captain Ray will close things out with the final scores on the last call. But yeah, I mean, I, it's exciting because so you know the, there's the intermingling of the schools that I'm familiar with from back home mm-hmm. in Baldwin County. Of course, they're, they're Mobile County schools, but I'm familiar with them. And now these schools that are in this region. But it's excellent that we had six area schools go to the playoffs uh, because I had heard you know, such poor things about our area high school football. And turns out it's not true. We have guys that can play. And if Hillcrest can take care of McGill and Northridge can, you know, pull out what would be an upset over Sarah land, uh, Tuscaloosa County area football scene is looking really pretty. Yeah, it's solid, man. It's solid. I mean, we have struggled to get teams deep, you know, once you get past sort of Tuscaloosa central, uh, has done that in the, in the not too distant past, as we know, um, but we, we typically, from the lower level on up through really 6A, have some pretty strong representation. And that's a nice game out at Hillcrest tonight. McGill Tulin dropping down from 7A. McTee, the uh, Catholic school power from the past. So you're going to have a little bit of a helmet matchup there uh, down 69 tonight. So if you're into good weather, you're into getting out and checking out some playoff football, you're going to have that available to you as well as right in sort of central Tuscaloosa with ACA hosting. So opportunities really from uh, one end of the county to the other, I guess you could say, to check out high school playoff football in our area tonight. We're going to get into some college football talk. It is still, even with Alabama on the bye week, even with Alvin on the bye week, uh, still a big weekend 
of college football around the SEC and also from a national perspective. So we'll get into some of that with you if you'd like to jump on board. We'd, we'd appreciate hearing from you at 205-342-9904. You did have some National Football League football last night. We kind of anticipated what was going to happen out in Santa Clara. The Packers and Aaron Rodgers roll 34-17. to Look, I'm not going to be fantasy football guy and run down every week what my guys on my little team did, but I did appreciate, Jacob, I did appreciate the four touchdown passes from A-Rod last night with the 37 points total. I, that that I will uh, acknowledge publicly. So uh, thanks to A-Rod. I know he had me in mind when he was lighting up uh, the 49ers out there in Northern California last night. Uh, You've also, again, once again, there's some Alabama men's basketball news as it relates to its Southeastern Conference schedule for the upcoming season. And we've talked about it in the last couple of years, sort of the strides that this league has made. And it shows up once again, because when you look at what Alabama has uh, coming just out of the gates for that conference portion of the schedule, Ole Miss here in Tuscaloosa on December the 29th, that's a Tuesday night. Uh, then that weekend you go to Tennessee, come home to get Florida, go back on the road to Auburn and Kentucky. That's your first five games out of the gate for Nate Oates and his team. So if this team is what we're sort of anticipating it will be, you know, that's a stretch where even with road games, three road games, Tennessee, Auburn and Kentucky, uh, three and two. You know, you should come through there three and two. Florida at home won't be a picnic. But again, this league has grown to be so competitive that you also can't panic if you're an Alabama fan, if it is, say, a two and three start. One thing it can't be is one and four coming through those five. Uh, You get Kentucky twice in the SEC this year. You get LSU twice. You got home and home with Auburn. Uh, And so, look. Uh, it's it's not going to be a walk in the park. It hasn't been in this league for a few years now. And then when you combine that with Houston later in December, you're pretty much realistically, if you look at it in terms of the competitive nature of these games, I think you could say Houston is essentially the start of SEC play. That matchup with Houston, um, as you get into later, mid to late December, you know, that's when you're going to really start to find out initially what type of club you've got. And I know that's what Nate Oates wants. So uh, you do have that from a men's basketball perspective that we have learned this morning. Uh, we will talk with Charlie Potter more about that coming up in just a little bit. Charlie, of course, my colleague there, cohort at BamaOnline.com. We'll get into some bye week topics for this Alabama Crimson Tide football team. Maybe do some comparisons. How about some stats of note when you look at this Alabama football team offensively, defensively, maybe even in terms of special teams, Uh, but certainly on offense and defense, Alabama, Alabama post Tua Tonga Vailoa, you know, a year ago at this time, or a year ago, in SEC play only. That's all we're going to use because it is an SEC-only season for Alabama and the rest of the SEC. Alabama in 2019 in league play ranked second to LSU in scoring offense at 45 points per game. In six SEC games so far this season, Alabama's scoring offense is actually up to 47.2. A year ago in SEC play, Alabama seventh in the Southeastern Conference in rushing offense at 146 yards per game. A year later, six games in, Alabama is up to fourth in rushing offense at 175.2 yards per league contest. This is the one I think that just blows people away, and we'll see. We'll see if Alabama can sustain it. I mean, we're already six games in. If we do it as a comparison of a year ago when Alabama played eight league games, I mean, we're already almost there. But Alabama in passing offense with Tua Tonga-Vailoa and Mac Jones last year, second to LSU in that department at 353 yards per game. 
This season, Alabama first in SEC play when it comes to passing offense. 380 passing yards per contest. Total offense a year ago for Alabama in SEC play, 499 yards per game. Uh, this year, through six games, Alabama up to first in the league at 552. Wow. So the numbers offensively are actually up across the board. Scoring offense, rushing offense, passing offense, total offense. I don't think many people were sort of forecasting that before the season, were they? We'll get into some of the defensive stuff a little bit later in the program as well. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. Um, so, Jacob, in terms of these high school games tonight, these high school playoff games, uh, for you, is it Hillcrest, McGill, Tulin that's the highlighter? Northridge going on the road to Saraland, ACA uh, with Geneva in town. Uh, the north side, you know, Deschler historically has been a strong team. And so that could be a, a solid matchup as well. Uh, which one of these maybe catches your eye, catches your interest the most? I'll definitely be keeping an eye on what's happening down in Mobile County for the Jags taking on the, you know, Sarah Land. But uh, mm -hmm. I think that's a very, very tall task for Northridge to, to handle. You know, first, first taste of playoff success and uh, heading down and playing a team that's that has been perennially good since they created their program. That's that's a difficult task. So for me, it it's watching McGill drop down to six A and come up here to Hillcrest and take on Ethan Crawford and the Pats. And yeah. uh, I think that you know they've got enough firepower and they've shown it throughout the season that they can take on a team like McGill and get the job done. And uh, so yeah, that's the game I'm watching this week, and I'm, I'm hoping Hillcrest to pull it out. Got a lot of bad blood like with McGill. It seems like that 6A region down there with Spanish Fort, Saraland, McGill, Tulin, it's kind of the 6A equivalent of what the 7A region up here between Birmingham and Tuscaloosa County is like. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, I know exactly what you mean because that's the, that's the region I played I mean, in. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, and yeah, I was you know, the Tuscaloosa County down there where you have to play all these ridiculously good teams week in and week out. You can't get any momentum going, but when you're a team like McGill, you're, you're well-tested into the playoffs. You know, uh, Northridge's last playoff win, that was in 2015. Uh, and I was at that game. It was in Dothan. Northridge went down and beat Dothan in a first-round playoff game. And I know that because our oldest daughter, Savannah, was the kicker for Northridge during that season. They went down and put it on Dothan pretty good. Second playoff win at the time, in Northridge history. So we'll see if the Jags can pick up number three tonight down there at Saraland. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. Um, here's another thing for you that we were going to talk about. And our guy, Charlie Potter coming up, man, he is, he loves the holiday season and he'll tell you that we'll talk to him about it. We've talked to him about it on the program in the past and most recently on the Bama online podcast we we hit on it again but uh I'll ask Jacob Harrison this too um you know it is the bye weekend and there's a lot of free time for a change if you're an Alabama fan an Auburn fan uh is this the weekend when you consider at least consider putting the Christmas tree and the uh the decorations up is it too early for that still November sixth, November seventh, sometime in that, in that, in that range. There, still too early. You know, a lot of folks are traditionally more Thanksgiving weekend people when it comes to that stuff. Uh, but I know folks, man, they go ahead and start getting the lights up. They Clark Griswold it, you know. I mean, right after Halloween, stuff's going up. I mean, I haven't even seen any Christmas tree lots, and I wonder with this pandemic, is that going to be a casualty? Uh, of the the COVID nineteen, are we gonna are we still gonna have Christmas tree lots? What about it, Jacob Harrison? What's what's the time frame for you guys? Is it is it still too early for that? You don't want to consider it just at this point. There is absolutely zero chance my Christmas tree goes up this weekend. <laughs> no, zero. God, no, God, please, no, no, uh, no. 
yeah, you know, for us at Casa de Rire, you know, we're still not entirely out of summer mode. Like I can tell you tonight, uh, we're doing burgers and dogs, you know, out on the grill because of this weather, right? It does. It just doesn't feel like Christmas tree weather just yet. But look, you know, I put a poll up on the personal Twitter account this morning asking the question, you know, is it, is this the weekend for a lot of folks with it being the bye week and uh, especially in our neck of the woods and you know, the, the answers or the, uh, the options for that poll bye week is the right week, not until Thanksgiving and the Christmas tree and lights have been up around our place. Well, uh, right now with a little more than 120 votes in, uh, the vast majority, 60, really 67% of the vote, not until Thanksgiving. And followed by bye week is the right week. So you've got 25% of the folks that are participated in this poll. They say they're going for it this weekend with the tree and decorations. And then a smaller percentage, 8%, says hours have already been up. How about that? You know, Pops, he's still, I don't like him getting up. He gets up on that ladder with that staple gun, a la Clark Griswold, and he puts those lights up every year around his house and he's 72 years old. He'll be 73 in about a month and I don't like him doing it, but he still does it. So we'll ask him if he's already in that mode, uh, down there in Northeast Florida. But, uh, yeah, some folks like Jacob and it is to me, it's still a little early, but you know, to each his or her own, we're going to head to a break. When we come back, we'll talk with Charlie Potter. We'll get Charlie sauce on the bye week for this Alabama football team also some alabama men's basketball talk as well and those christmas tree decoration plans for charlie potter for this weekend we'll do that more when southern fried sports returns tide 100.9 fm right after this from the university of alabama this is crimson tide today it's a daily update on bama sports and it's brought to you by everwood treatment company the official treated lumber of alabama athletics everwood wood treated right hello again everybody i'm roger hoover Alabama men's basketball coach Nate Oates met with the media on Thursday as we get closer to the season opener on November 25th against Jacksonville State. Yeah, I mean, I've learned quite a bit, to be honest with you. I think with all the new guys we've got, we needed to learn a lot. You know, we're trying to tell our guys we got to figure out various lineups, like who, who can close a game, you know, if we got to have a switching lineup out, if we got to, like, all that type of stuff. We're still figuring it out, but starting to figure out who's going to step up, who's going to play hard, who who you can trust to get stops, who, who who you can come out of a timeout and run a set with, who can function off off a whiteboard out of a timeout, all that type of stuff. So we're figuring it out. we got less than three weeks to go to the first game. So obviously things are a little different, uh, you know, once the game hits, and then you got to kind of figure out who can do it under the – I'll have more in a moment. Everwood Treatment Company is wood treated right. Everwood is the most technologically advanced pressure treated wood available. That means no rotting, no decay, no problems. Just wood treated right. Everwood is your treated wood source and the official pressure treated lumber of the Alabama Crimson Tide. If you're looking to add or replace decks, outdoor structures, or commercial jobs, choose Everwood for wood treated right. If you need it, we'll get it to you. To locate your local Everwood store, visit everwoodtreatment.com. Everwood Treatment, official lumber of the Alabama Crimson Tide. The Alabama women's soccer team faces off with the 15th-ranked Auburn Tigers Friday night at the Auburn Soccer Complex in the fall regular season finale. First Touch in Auburn will be at 6 p.m. Central and stream live on SEC Network+. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Everwood. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. A mild afternoon, partly to mostly sunny, the high 75. Fair tonight, the low at 61. Tomorrow, partially sunny with a high at 77. Then warm on Sunday and Monday. A mix of sun and clouds both days with highs very close to 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide! We hand it off to Herschel. There's a hole. Five, ten, twelve. He's running over people. Oh, you Herschel Walker. My God almighty, he ran right through two men. Herschel ran right over two men. They had him dead away inside the nine. 
Herschel Walker went 16 yards. He drove right over Orange Church, just driving and running with those big fives. My God, a freshman. And there you go. That's our playlist content, I guess you could say, for this Friday. Not so much music, although it is a sweet refrain to Georgia fans to hear the late, great Larry Munson do it like only he could. I love me some play-by-play radio guys from the past, but for me anyway, it's Larry Munson at the top of the list. That one describing the arrival of Herschel Walker to the SEC and college football in general. Herschel as a true freshman in that Tennessee game back in 1980, running over Bill Bates, who would eventually go on to become one of the best special teams players in National Football League history, most notably with the Dallas Cowboys. But uh, you can't beat Munson. And so we're going to celebrate some of his best work as we get you ready for the world's largest outdoor socially distanced cocktail party there in Jacksonville set for tomorrow afternoon, 2.30 kickoff central on CBS. For now, we're going to head back to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line and check in with my cohort there at BamaOnline.com. Charlie Potter does an absolutely outstanding job covering the Crimson Tide for us there at BOL. And, you know, Charlie, we were on a topic right up your alley. We hit on this on the Bama Online podcast as well here in the last day or so. Uh, big Christmas decoration weekend, it sounds like, around Casa de Potter. Is that correct? Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, you know, we'll see if it comes to fruition. We're not in any hurry, obviously. But you know, we talked about it uh, yesterday, how, you know, it's 2020. And we could use a little bit more Christmas cheer. So, uh, but, you know, <laughs> Christmas is my favorite holiday. Um, I love the time of year. It seems like it, the, the month of December really flies by. So, uh, to, to get a little bit of extra time with the decorations and the Christmas tree, you can't go wrong with that. Now, look, I asked a question in the previous segment. Are, is, is there even going to be tree lots with the vi- with the pandemic going on this year? I mean, I, I, that's what I'm wondering. And I, I, I take it if you're this early, though, you're you you guys are artificial tree folks. Is is that how you you work the tree? We are, yeah. Um, you know, it's just. I mean, to be honest, less of a hassle. Uh, I think the going out and, and getting a real Christmas tree, I've done it in the past. My sister used to do it, and I tagged along. Um, but, you know, at my house and my parents, we've always had a, Christ, a fake Christmas tree, and you know, we've done that here. But, yeah, that'll, that'll be interesting. I haven't thought about that. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a different year. It's a different time for everything. I know a lot of people will probably still try to persevere and, and get it done. But who knows? There's something... I haven't really thought too much about. Yeah, you know, and the the Santa Claus visit for the little ones, yeah. all those things, things I hadn't even really thought about for this uh, this run through the holiday season. But uh, it is a bye weekend for the Alabama Crimson Tide football team. And, Charlie, I know there's been access to Nick Saban in recent days and a handful of players. And um, just kind of give us, you know, your overview of kind of what you anticipated for this team going into the season and what it's been able to do through six games. I outlined offensively how across the board, whether you're talking rushing offense, passing offense, and you do this too, you do the statistical stuff for us there at BamaOnline.com, but you know, really whichever category you want to look at, Alabama is ahead of the pace from a year ago, which is, I think, pretty much surprising to a lot of people. It is, and really you think about it um, just from a, a game perspective. I mean, Alabama doesn't hasn't had any cupcakes on its schedule. It's played six SEC teams, and when you talk about the success this offense has had, especially Mac Jones at quarterback, I think that says a lot. I mean, I know there's been some comparisons made to the, the season he's put up so far to what Joe Burrow was able to do last year at, at LSU, but you know, LSU wasn't playing six SEC games. Uh, I think it's just been, you know, it, I always thought the offense was going to be in good shape. I thought, you know, with Najee Harris coming back, with Devontae Smith coming back, with so many returning starters on that offensive line, they'd be able to, you know, continue rowing the boat and keep afloat and things like that. But it's been uh, performing above and beyond, really, just of what my expectations were. I thought Mac Jones could get the job done, but he's been 
you know, the the best quarterback in the SEC, if not the best player. So, yeah, I think offensively they're a little bit ahead of where I thought they would be. Uh, you know, defensively, I think they they're coming around. I think the last ten quarters or so, they've played a lot better and they're showing progress. There's still room for improvement, and that's one of the the things that Nick Saban's talked about uh, this week is just not only getting healthy and maybe spending some time focusing on future opponents and things. You know, they don't see that often, but to just try to get a little better in some areas, clean some things up, and that of course is going to be a major focus on the defensive side of the ball. But you know, overall, I mean, you look at the schedule, we knew how it was going to shake out. And I think we all thought that Georgia was going to be um, you know, the most difficult opponent. And I think it, you know, maybe outside of Cole Miss, it was. But um, you know, Alabama's stayed the course. You know, they stayed healthy for the most part. Obviously, that injury to Jalen Waddle was less than ideal. But, um, you know, they're undefeated and they have a, a clear shot to the SEC championship game and the, the college football playoff. And I think, you know, I think most of us thought if, if they just get the job done, stay healthy, that they could be in the spot. And here they are. You know, with Jalen Waddle, it went from with Nick Saban halftime to CBS of uh, that Tennessee game to declaring him out for the season. Saban did. Then post game, he didn't go to that extent when asked about Waddle. And then here at midweek of the bye week, we've heard him refer to Waddle as being out for a while. What would your advice be to Alabama fans in this particular situation? Because we've seen it, certainly both of us. We we uh, love the interaction with fans on the roundtable there at BamaOnline.com. You know those questions are going to be pretty continuous uh, until we really get to the to, to a, a finality with this uh, with this season. But what would you tell Alabama fans, uh, you know, understanding every injury is different, how players respond is different, how medicine and rehab has evolved is, is certainly in play. Uh, you, you know that, that those questions are going to be coming. What, what's going to be the, the best way to sort of address those? Yeah, I mean, what he said on the, the SEC teleconference was, was pretty uh, – caught a lot of people's attention. And uh, – I think, though, you know, you mentioned his post-game comments, um, you know, after the Tennessee game, and he compared it to Kenyon Drake's injury uh, at Ole Miss and uh, or against Ole Miss, and that was an injury that kept Kenyon out for a while. I mean, it was a situation where I don't even think he did much the, the following spring. So, of course, that's also an earlier diagnosis. You've, you've seen a little bit more, got a little bit more information since then and since the surgery, so maybe there's room for optimism. But, you know, Alabama's had you know, season-ending injuries um, the last several years. And when you look at it, there's kind of been that window for guys to come back, um, you know, whether it was, you know, Christian Miller and, and Terrell Lewis, you know, back in 2015. Um, even last year, you know, there was wonder if maybe a guy like Dylan Moses, you know, could come back or Josh McMillan. I know they had ACL injuries, but we saw them participating in, in practices. Trey Sanders with that foot injury in the preseason. We saw him pop up in practices. So there's always, I think, a little wiggle room. But you also have to factor in the idea that this is a a different year. Um, You know, Jalen Waddell is likely going to be a first-round draft pick next year. You know, do you hurry up from injury and then come back and and risk that, that opportunity to to be a first-round draft pick and to be healthy, you know, whenever your professional career starts? So I think there's a lot. Um, it's taken into consideration. You know, it's obviously if he meant it that way, uh, a positive um, development in this situation. But you know, I also don't think Nick Saban just says things to say things. I think there's always meaning behind what he says during press conferences or any kind of media availability. But um, I would still be on the, the side of caution. I mean, it was, a, it was an ugly injury. He was ruled out for the season at halftime. You know, that shows the significance of it. And then, again, the comparison to Kenyon Drake, uh, what he suffered with his ankle injury, um, you know, that's, that doesn't bode well for, for Waddle coming back soon. But, again, you never know. I mean, you'll continue to monitor it, see what happens, and just hope for the best for Jalen uh, on top of everything else. Speaking of an offensive skill player coming back from an injury, that was pretty much Trey Sanders last year. He was that kind of guy as well. We'd go out to practices back when you had media viewing opportunities, and we started to see him start to ramp back up with on-the-field rehab. 
Uh, he wasn't a guy that really was a realistic option to return at any point during the season. Uh, but let's stick with him because against Mississippi State, it was a career high in carries and rushing yards for Trey Sanders. And a guy who looks like he is, much as anything, feeling good about where he's at in that return. And, you know, uh, you know, Brian Robinson, I guess, nicked up a little bit, Charlie. That may be played into it. But based on what we saw from Trey Sanders, uh, can you envision an expanded role in terms of supporting Najee Harris moving forward? Yeah, I think that the Brian Robinson thing is, is interesting just because he has been nicked up the past couple weeks. And um, I think that did open up an opportunity for Trey Sanders because we saw him as early as the second quarter against Mississippi State. And he did some good things running behind that first-team offensive line. He had a couple of runs of, uh, you know, 20-plus yards. And I think the biggest thing for him, he just looks more comfortable. You know, we've seen him this season. Um, you know, I think in the, the Missouri game, he had, you know, close to 10 carries. and You know, he had less than 10 rushing yards. So, um, of course, you got to talk about when he's inserted in the game, which offensive line he's running behind, everything that they're trying to accomplish. But he did look more comfortable. He looked more decisive. And, uh, you know, that's big for a guy that's coming off of an injury like that. If he continues to to take those steps, then maybe we could see him, you know, develop more of a role. I think, you know, the the biggest takeaway, and I know it's a poor choice of words this year, but uh, it was a positive performance against Mississippi State. Um, he had a lot of, you know, uh, he had a few big runs. Uh, he was running north and south instead of east and west, and um, he just looked more comfortable out there. I think that's the biggest takeaway. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with that number two spot moving forward because we know that Najee Harris is still going to get the lion's share of the carries. But I think if anything else, it just gives Alabama um, another weapon on that offense and another option in that backfield. Uh, to, to compliment a guy that, that could be invited to New York if he keeps scoring a lot of touchdowns. LeBron Ray and his potential availability coming out of the bye week with LSU on tap, what sense do you get there with him as a, as a veteran presence there on that defensive line and, and that possibility that he could be able to go against the Tigers? Yeah, well, they need him. Um, yeah, I think the defensive line did a, a good enough job against Mississippi State, but Nick Saban said it multiple times this year, just how uh, they don't have another guy like a LeBron Ray uh, on that defensive line. And not only that, I mean, he's he's a leader of the group. I think Fidarian Masses has kind of stepped up and, and you know helped with him being out the last three games. But you know, whenever he gave an update on, on Ray the last time, um, it sounded like they were just going to shut him down and, and hope that he could be ready for the LSU game. It's a, it's a lingering elbow injury. Um, you know, the defensive, you're playing on the defensive line. You, you need that arm and to be able to extend and, and move that. That's important. And uh, I think the a positive sign is we've seen him in some of the practice videos and um, photos that they've sent out. You know, since uh, his injury, so he's been able to do some things. But um, I think they're they're just being as cautious as they can be with him. Uh, yeah, they've been able to to stay above water on the defensive line without him, and if they can continue to do that, I think that's important. But you know, facing the LSU, which is going to be a, an emotionally driven game, it's on the road. Of course, it's not going to be a, a full capacity crowd there at um, Tiger Stadium, but you need all hands on deck, especially on defense. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen at the quarterback position for the Tigers yet. Uh, it doesn't sound great for Miles Brennan, but if he's in the game. You know, they can they can move the ball around and uh you know getting pressure on that quarterback is important and I think LeBron Ray can help out in that regard. So um you know the the hope and the plan is to have him ready for this week. But of course with the injury you just gotta see how it plays out and you know we'll, we'll see if, if number eighteen suits up on Saturday or not. As we let you go here, this uh Alabama men's basketball schedules come together quickly in recent days. Uh, I know you just updated at BamaOnline.com. Uh, the addition of the Southeastern Conference portion of said schedule. We talked about it earlier, man. Right into the deep end of the pool. And, you know, that also says a lot about this league. Um, you know, you, you you didn't kind of view even Auburn or Tennessee that way five or six years ago, but you certainly do these days. And so a lot of excitement, a lot of anticipation. I know that uh, Nate Oates and some players addressed the media yesterday. Um it's 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 uh it's not an easy entry though is it into southeastern conference play 
No, it's not. And um, yeah, I think the non-conference schedule is is really respectable too. And but you know, you look at it, you start SEC play on December 29th against Ole Miss, and then just a, a brutal stretch at Tennessee against Florida, at Auburn, at Kentucky, Arkansas, at LSU. You don't really have a a game where you're like, well, okay, things let up a little bit. So it, it is a, a tough stretch, but I think that's what NATO's and his team want. Uh, of course, you would take a, a week where you could take a breath, but um, you know they schedule teams like a Houston uh, on this schedule to to test their toughness and to play against tough teams, just like what NATO's wants them to be with that blue collar mentality. So um, yeah, it's a it's a tough schedule, but um, you know I think that's exciting for the fans and. You know, we don't yet know what the capacity is going to be at Coleman Coliseum, but isn't that just Alabama basketball to have uh, games against <laughs> Kentucky and Auburn uh, and Florida at home? And, you know, maybe you might not even have fans in the, in the stands. It just uh, kids keep coming. But, uh, no, I mean, just from an entertainment value, I think what they have you know set up on tap on the schedule, it'll, it'll be an exciting uh, slate to watch. And uh, it's getting here pretty quick. It's, it's kind of tough to believe that in less than, than three weeks we'll see some Alabama basketball on the court. Yeah, excited about that. This is a instance where cavernous Coleman Coliseum comes in handy, having about 5,000 more seats than you actually need. Uh, with social distancing, you know, who knows, maybe you can get a – you know, three grand in there. So, uh, for these games, we'll see as always, Charlie, great stuff at BamaOnline.com. We always appreciate you joining us here on the program. Enjoy your bye week. I know you're taking in some high school playoff action yourself tonight over there in Charles Barkley's hometown. So, uh, safe travels and we'll catch up again soon. Appreciate it, man. And, and good luck to everybody putting up their Christmas decorations this weekend. <laughs> Stay off those ladders, people. Nothing good happens on a ladder anyway. All right, my man. Take care. There he goes. Charlie Potter does an outstanding job for us at BamaOnline.com covering the Crimson Tide. Back with more of a Friday edition of Southern Fried Sports right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Now Auburn Stadium roars as their offense runs out on the field. Stan White waving at the crowd to make a lot of noise. And he says something to an official. And he bumps one of his tight ends. Here they are in that old-fashioned tee again. Three backs. They only need eight, nine inches. And White tries to keep it and sneak late. He didn't do it there. He tried to keep it. They ran the fullback. White tried to step in. Watch the clock. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four. We're out lined up three. They have no timeouts. Two, one. I think it's over. They can't get a playoff. We saved ourselves. I don't know how. They couldn't get a playoff. White tried to fake it. They ran to the full, and then he tried to sneak in. Auburn wound up. Auburn messed up with the clock. Auburn couldn't get a playoff. The dogs stopped White trying to sneak in. We saved ourselves. No, we didn't. Old Lady Luck saved us. Old Lady Luck has defeated them. The defense won the ball game. Make no mistake about that. 14 to 10. The defense has saved our whatchamacallit. That, ladies and gentlemen, is back when it was real with the radio play-by-play calls. Larry Munson, none better. Larry had a good one in uh, Auburn in the early 80s with Herschel and that crew. Won the Southeastern Conference Championship late in that uh, in that campaign with a win at Jordan-Hare. And <laughs> Larry on the broadcast is just howling. Look at the sugar falling from the sky. Look at the sugar. And it's because, as we know, or those of us old enough to recall, you won the Southeastern Conference. You punched your ticket to Nolens and the uh, Sugar Bowl. So Larry was yelling from the press box, look at the sugar falling from the sky. And about that time, he got uh, he got hit with a, a Coke coming from the upper level there at Jordan-Hare. Uh, we're going to talk with Pops coming up here in a little bit. Pops' memories of Larry aren't as uh, quite fun as maybe some other folks. So uh, Pops, a veteran, of course, of Florida-Georgia battles in the past, including one 
on the afternoon of the birthday of my oldest brother, who turns 55 today. We'll ask Pop for his recollections of that and a whole lot more when Southern Fried Sports returns on a Friday, presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier right after this. A mild afternoon, partly to mostly sunny, the high 75. Fair tonight, the low at 61. Tomorrow, partially sunny with a high at 77. Then warm on Sunday and Monday. A mix of sun and clouds both days with highs very close to 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. A flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. 45-40-1-Lindsay-25-20-50-10-5-Lindsay-Scott-Lindsay-Scott-Lindsay-Scott-Lindsay-Scott-Lindsay-Scott-Lindsay-Scott-Lindsay-Scott-Lindsay-Sc
you know, Nana used to throw those big, grand Florida Georgia parties at the house. Oh, yeah. And Pops, Pops' batting average on actually making it back from the stadium for those parties was <laughs> probably under 250. He wasn't a 250 oh, hitter he, on his own parties, was, I don't he, think. He was, he was a bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pops. Now, Pops, you know, on this day... In 1965, your oldest yeah. son was born. Yeah, uh, Ernest Eugene Ryer Sr. Gene yeah. Gene, he turns uh, he turns 55 today. That's and so, yeah, and so now you know we talked about this before, but uh, you know Florida won that day against Georgia that same yeah. day, yeah. 14 to 10, directly across the river from the hospital, pops. <laughs> And uh, legend has it that you attended both W's. Oh yeah, but uh, but you you caught some scorn maybe from the in laws. Oh yeah, in going to the game. Oh yeah, from then on, you know, it, you know, uh, it, it it was something that as each day went by, it got better. Things looked a little better, you know. But uh, oh yeah, I was I was I, I can't tell you what was said, but it was it wasn't nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh now i'm guessing the coaches involved that was uh wally butts and was that ray graves for florida yeah ray graves uh-huh yeah. uh-huh but uh yeah, it, it, yeah it's, it's hard to believe that was 55 years ago you know I mean, I can't believe Could it. you ever envision having a child and you're still alive that's 55? Oh, no, Could you? no, no. I, I yeah. should have been gone. I mean, I didn't expect to live this long. It's, it's ridiculous, you know. <laughs> it's I, ridiculous. I, 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 mean, I don't have uh, my pension. I, I don't I don't think I'm going to have enough. To, if I keep living, I'm going to run out of money, you know. Yeah, you live, you live too long, Pops. I know. Yeah. I know. Well, you retired too early. You know? Well, I've, I've been told that, but, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think I'd live to be 65, and here I am still hanging around. I mean, you retired at, like, 51. What did you think? You were going to check out at 60 or something? I yeah, mean, I thought I'd die in, in, in the 60s at least, you know? Yeah. yeah. Things didn't. I'm still here, and the lights are still on, so I'm, I'm yeah. lucky, you know? Speaking of lights, uh and uh, mortality rates. We don't like you on that ladder with those Christmas lights. Has Nana, has Nana already dispatched you to take care of those decorations yet, or will not, you wait until like Thanksgiving? I'm, 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 I'll hear it, believe me. You're dreading it, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, stringing them around. And, and then your, your youngest brother's wife wants me to do oh, them around geez. her house, too. And yeah. I'm going, my God, I, I don't even want to do them at my house, you know? Yeah, well... You don't need to be doing them, period. I know. I, I, you don't I mean, need to be on a ladder. You're going to be 73 I'm, in a few weeks. I'm 100 years old and team and mm-hmm. and I'm up mm-hmm. here on the house. You know? Mm-hmm. you know, when we do the math on your age and that oldest son's age, that tells us you had your first kid when you were about 12. You know yeah, that, Yeah, I right? was 13. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what can I say? I don't Mm. I've never been known as, you know, the brightest bulb in the show. Yeah, you're all right, though. Yeah. Uh, speaking of dim bulbs, what about your boy, Dan Mullen? You know, we've had to have talks about him in recent weeks because of his behavior. Well, and now this run out onto the middle of the field last Saturday night. That, Let's that get was... an updated evaluation from Pops on his boy, Dan Mullen. Well, my boy is, is, is looking more like a, a child more and more each week. Uh, mm-hmm. That run, that was totally ridiculous. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, he should be suspended. You know, Spurrier I mean, I, I got know. after him a little bit. You see where Spurrier got after him a little bit? Did he? Said no, it was an embarrassment and everything else. Yeah. I, I'm well. I'm glad to hear that because yeah. he, he needs to be, you know, told about it. It, it. it shouldn't. It was. I can't believe it. And and then he runs back out of the tunnel and, and, and goes crazy some more, you know, out there on the field. It, it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. and 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 again, I didn't know he he was this way, you know. I've, I, yeah. I, 
Pops, I've tried to defend him. There's people over here that have thought he's a clown for years, you know, and I kind of tried to semi-defend him because I think he can coach football. I do think he can do that. I give him credit for that, but that doesn't allow him to act like a fool, you know, Uh Uh and and that's that's all he's doing. Uh, well, Pops, we got to make some picks here with you. You went two and one last week, Pops. You had Auburn and Texas as winners. Yeah, with you Texas, lost with Texas, Memphis. Texas. With who? Yeah. who did I lose? You lost with Memphis at Cincinnati. I know so, Cincinnati beat yeah. the tea out of them. All right. Well, let's get going tonight. We got a good one up in Boise. BYU at Boise State on the blue turf up there in Idaho. Who, well, did, who are you picking well, there? You know, I don't even know what Boise State's record is now. Yeah, I know B- BYU is doing okay, but uh, I, I guess I'll strong. go with, with Boise State at home, you know. Going with the home dog. That's a home dog there. Boise getting a few points at home. Clemson, Notre Dame, Pops. I knew you were going to ask that game. I just Well, then you it. should be ready. And it'd be a no-brainer if Lawrence was playing, but uh, – I'm going to go with Notre Dame at home. Oh, Pops has been to Notre Dame Stadium. He's experienced that magic. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was there in like 88 when Tim Brown took the punt back against Michigan State. Is uh, is, is that quarterback for Clemson that they're using, is he from Hawaii? He is, of, I believe, Samoan descent, Polynesian for sure, but a Californian, DJ Unga Lele. Yeah, I can't pronounce his name, but because, you know, Hawaii produces some quarterbacks. They absolutely do. Now, Georgia, Florida, Pops, we got to have it. What's the pick there with your Gators? <laughs> well, here I am talking about Mullen and Gators. I, I just I just think that uh, I, I, I think Georgia's got the better team. But I believe uh-huh. Florida can outscore them. Uh-huh. You know, because Florida is going to give up points even to Seth and Bennett. Yeah. But but uh, I, I I I like Georgia's defense, but with their 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 boy their defensive back out of the game. Richard LeCount, they got injuries on defense for sure. Oh well, All I'm right. going to go. I'm going to go with Florida. And the I, Gators. Gators. All right, and, Pops. And this is have a, a great game weekend. Mullen's got to win, you know. He needs to be Kirby. No doubt about it. We'll see. Have a good weekend, Pops. All right. We'll talk with y'all later. There he goes, Pops. Oof. How about that for an anniversary today for Pops? Hey, uh, thanks to Pops. Thanks to Charlie Potter. Thanks to Jacob Harrison for producing the show. Lunch Whistle at Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Be sure to get by there either for lunch, dinner this weekend. So many great options from which to choose. They're going to take great care of you there at Southern Ale House. Until 11 a.m. on Monday. Have a great football weekend, everybody. Thank you for